Um, so it's 7.26 p.m. Mountain Time. I'm in Santa Fe, and uh, the weather's really nice. They just had this really big downpour of rain here. I, I didn't realize it rained that hard in the Southwest. Uh, I'm used to that in Alabama, in Louisiana, where I grew up. And uh, I'm used to it in the Pacific Northwest, but it's more like, in the Pacific Northwest, it's like a Vietnam War torture, you know, like like that getting dripped on your forehead for like four hours straight. Um, so when I hear thunder and lightning now, it really actually surprises me because I haven't seen that in a while uh, since leaving home in 2006. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I'm going to start doing more podcasts on things and something that I'm actually really passionate about. Um, but I think I also need to, uh, at least keep a discussion going about, you know, the events that are going on around, around us. And by around us, I mean, in my case, the, uh, the U S and, uh, and I noticed, uh, this, this undercurrent in American discourse and politics, I'll say discourse. I, I actually don't think a lot of it is proper discourse because I think discourse implies that you have, uh, First of all, you have uh, equal sides, right? It's just like when we have what is it called the Iraq War. What there was really no war. It's just a, a one country came in and bombed a country that was in, inferior with uh, military forces in any way. I wouldn't call that a war. I would call that a, an invasion. Um, but a lot of the discourse is not actually. It's more like tit for tat, right? Um, a person who may have a good formed opinion and is eager to share ideas. And then on the other side, you have, I don't like you. You have a big nose. And it's like, I don't I don't think that's discourse. That's just uh, screeching. It's screeching and um, eyeball scratching. Um, but one of the, the things that I noticed, I would say it's an undercurrent, but I don't think it's like subtle anymore is this uh sadomasochism in uh american american discourse or culture or society whatever you you want to say and uh i mean we we understand what sadomasochism is and like psycho uh, psychosexual development well not development but in sex right um this idea of sex as being this place for domination pain um and humiliation and on the other side uh taking that pain humiliation as part of uh foreplay as part of sex and, and at least with sex that's probably more interesting i mean if you're in like the bdsm um community or something or, or other kinks that involve that um but when you're talking about psychology i think it's probably not such a health it's not a healthy thing at all um and I'll give you examples. It's hard to, I don't want to get into explaining it clinically. Um, you can look that up on your own or you've probably heard of it. But for example, uh, people have this insatiable need for punishment. Um, I, I went to, I spent a summer in Austria in like 2004 and it was a summer learning course for, for German uh, 
this lovely, lovely city. It's called um, Klagenfurt. If you go to Austria, they would consider it like a small town or, or a small city. Uh, but I actually thought it was lovely. It was right over the uh, Vortese. Uh, it's this huge lake, um, beautiful. And everyone's just healthy. Everyone's out exercising. I saw some of the volleyball, uh, volleyball, uh, Olympic volleyball team trials there when I was there in 2004. Um, and uh, where was I going with this? God damn it. Uh, okay, let me see if I can find my way, set, way back. Uh, sadomasochism, Austria. Um, okay, let me let me just try this. I'm uh, I'm just going to give you an an example of what I'm what I'm talking about. Uh, people tend to have this insatiable need for for punishment. Okay, I know where I was going with this. Um, on one of the tours, we did a lot of tours when we were there because you know that's what you do when you're a foreigner. And we went to this uh, this place called Burg Hoch Ostrowitz. Uh, it's a uh, and Burg in Germany. It's like a it's like a building, but it's a fortress. Uh, and we climbed to we walked to the top of it, and at the top they have this museum of like a <laughs> it's a torture museum, and they have these in a lot of places. But basically, it had uh, the tools that people use during like war. And they usually had these at the top of fortresses. <laughs> so um, I don't know why I'm laughing. It's horrible. But so you storm a fortress, which is like a castle. Uh, but a, for, uh, a burg is actually, it's built for defense. Um, in castles, you have defense, but a, a burg fortress is for defense. So imagine you're fighting to take down that fortress and you make it all the way to the top. And then someone pours hot oil on you. <laughs> And uh, I was thinking if you ever watch like things about uh, documentaries about the mid medieval medieval times, you have these uh, torture chambers and someone actually had to figure this out, right? Someone had to figure out, hmm, what would be the best way to inflict as much pain as possible? Uh, someone had to figure out during the witch trials and the inquisitions hey, we should lay a wooden door on top of the uh, suspected witch and keep putting stones on them until we suffocate, suffocate her. <laughs> and uh, I always thought to myself, yeah, that's clever, but where? what kind of person uh, do you think they are when they just have time to come up with ways of uh, torturing other people. Uh, now I know this is an extreme example, uh, but I'll I'll give you another one. It's like uh, it, not only the deciding or thinking about that, but you read any comments because I'm a flamethrower on the internet. Sometimes I, I guess I just find it fun because people are just so easily uh, set off about everything. <laughs> so I mean, you'll get a person that like commits a crime, you know, like. Uh, uh, you know, murder is one thing, but it's like they steal a bike or something. And you look down the comments and it's like, oh, that person should go to jail or they should have to work and buy that person a new bike, which I think would be reasonable 
instead of incarcerating a person, make them replace what they've stolen. <laughs> but you go down the uh, the comments and it's like, just let them be in the general population for five minutes or, you know, give me six minutes with them. It, it's like these people just have this, this undercurrent of just like rage and violence for for these petty things. And you can also find that in the, the things that people accept, right? Um, I grew up evangelical and uh, there were always, you know, the parables, the teaching moments and also cautionary tales. And I remember there was this cautionary tale, uh, which I find so hysterical now. And again, it's a horrible thing. But uh, you know how they always talk about respecting your, well, honoring, honoring your parents. <laughs> and, and, you know, the the Christian parents, they always say things. Well, back in that day, they used to stone you to death for disobedience. <laughs> but in uh, Kings, I think there's two books of Kings in the Pentateuch. I mean, not the Pentateuch, but, you know, the, the Old Testament. And... Uh, I forgot which one, which particular one, but there's a, a scene, not a scene, but a cautionary tale about these, it's this group of boys and they're like making fun of one of the prophets by making fun of his bald head. So they're saying, go ye up bald head. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, he gets angry, rightfully so. You know, you know, when you get older, it's like, get off my lawn. But that's like all that should happen. But no, this is what happens to these boys. And it was like, you know, five score of them. There's like, I don't know, 200 boys. So God, yes, the creator of the universe, he sends she bears out there. Bears. <laughs> and to devour all of these boys, right? And uh, that's a cautionary tale. That's what people are telling their children. <laughs> If you make fun of a prophet's bald head, you're going to get eaten by bears. <laughs> and if you do the math, right, there's two she-bears. I don't know why they it was specified that they were female. Maybe because, because females become extremely aggressive, um, especially when they have uh, whelps. Um, but there's two bears, right? And there's like, I don't know, let's say 100 boys. <laughs> so... So in order for them to like get rid of all of them, they have to be mauling at least like 20, like, I don't know, a minute. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so that's a little, little uh, sort of off the topic, but you see this undercurrent in uh, American society where they like punishment and they like the most sadistic punishments as possible. And you can also see this, of course, uh, not just Americans, but I'm saying our roots are in Puritanism and uh, lawlessness, I think, because the first settlers, you know, you know, they have the stories about the, you know, the pilgrims or whatever, but actually they were um, religious refugees and they were criminals. They were like castoffs that the crown was like, yeah, you know, take them, take them with you. Uh, and so, just think this just think if you're you know five-year-old kid and you hear that story um i i always got the sense you know growing up uh how you know eschatol what's the word eschatological 
eschatology. It's like uh, it's relating to the end times. And I reading comments today, and it was talking about you know the autonomous zone and um, uh, the Capitol Hill uh, autonomous zone, and, and I find it really telling that it has to include Capitol Hill. Uh, I, I lived in in that zone before it became the autonomous zone, and, and I can tell you it's very. Uh, I think it's primarily where the. Uh, mostly like gay, young, hip people live. So actually they pretty much want to close it off to anyone that's not like them anyway. So I, I would say that it's very uh, sort of racist and clicking anyway. Um, and, and I feel, really find it irresponsible that uh, uh, Sawant, the city council member, is even supporting something like that because it's sort of a loose wannabe anarchist uh, collective and and I really don't know what their motivations are except that they want to look cool it's very uh, it's very fashionable rebellion right you know you wear the baklavas and you have the the gear and you know free vegan pizza or whatever but I'm not so sure if I was part of a municipal government that I'd want to put my name on that. But but you see what people are doing now. They just want to have their name on some sort of brand. It's branding. And I'm not so sure that's responsible. Um, and I'm not so sure this country, for the most part, is ready to live intentionally. But I see those coming up in a lot of places, and I think that's good. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's the right time. Um, um, but anyway, let me give you another example. And you hear this all the time. Um, so we're a republic. Um, that's the type of democracy this country is. We're, or we are a democracy, but the way the republic works is that the people choose a representative for them. Um, so, and we have our uh, departments of the government I mean, parts of the government and then the um, several departments. Um, so we have a written constitution as well. So actually, the way it's written, it's supposed to function in a certain way all the time anyway. There should be some disagreements, I'm sure, and times change. But people will say things like, oh, you didn't vote. You can't complain. And uh, And I'm like... Uh, first of all, I, I personally don't think voting matters anyway. You you have um, pretty much the same, the same system, and then you just have a few different um, psychic focal points. But nothing changes. I, I don't think the government was set up for the type of change that we're thinking about when we exercise the right to vote. Um, it's like, you know, when people talk about you know, the Second Amendment was written, you know, to check the uh, check a tyrannical government. Um, but actually, uh, any entity is not going to give its uh, constituents the mean to the means to overthrow it. So, you know, you look cute with your AK-47 and your, you know, Glock or whatever. But 
the uh, the country has nuclear weapons. They don't care about your um, they don't care about your firearms. Um, but they'll say things like, you know, or you can't complain if you don't vote. So I can pay taxes for my government to run at like 10% efficiency, to have crumbling infrastructure. And because I didn't vote, I deserve that. Um, or if I sign up for the military, right? Um, because for whatever reason, I think it's the right thing to do. It's something I want to do. It's tradition of my family. So our government sends us on these misadvent, these corporate misadventures. Um, and people say, oh, well, you joined. Or I pay for something and people say, oh, well, you paid for what you got. But if you're paying anything, right, you should get at least the basic compensation for what you need, right? So we have all these ideas about, I'm a humanitarian and it's about human rights. But underneath it, we have these ideas about who should be punished and um, what's the deal now? We have the uh, the deal with the face masks. Um, f- for me, I, I work in public transit and actually I'm responsible for a route uh, specifically dedicated to transporting people with um, that are symptomatic or some people that are um, positive for the virus. So I wear mine when I'm coming in contact with them. A lot of them are um, not very ambulatory. They're on oxygen in the beginning. So I need to have close contact with them if I need to help them get out or if they're in a wheelchair or something. So I wear mine when I go into places of business. I'll wear it out of respect for the um, the workers there, um, you know, who, who are forced to be with all, all sorts of people. But uh, there's this whole politics and people are like, <laughs> they won't say it. Oh, well, I guess you don't want to wear your mask. But six feet under would be a, you know, a worse alternative or something like that. And I'm like, uh, you know, chill out, yo. Um, I remember the one of the few times I actually deleted a person from my friends list is a previous Facebook account. And it was a person I knew, but I wasn't actually friends with. You know, you have those people. Um, which is okay, but I, I don't, I don't like friend collecting. I, I don't, I, I find it, uh, psychically, it's, it's a little draining for me. And he said something to the effect of, you know, how, um, non-human, uh, animals or non-human primates, when there's a change in hierarchy, um, what usually happens is the, the alpha male, um, who has the priority of, um, of mating with any female in the colony of pride or whatever you want to, I forgot what it's called with, um, primates, non-human primates. Um, uh, eventually that person, that, not that, um, being gets older and they get weaker. And then the younger ones who are stronger are from other colonies. They'll take over that. And uh, one of the things they will do is, um, and it's really very violent. They will kill the males, uh, cannibalize the males and dismember them. And they will also kill all of the offspring. Um, and uh, they will keep the females. And one of the things that happens to the females when their colony 
uh, when their males, their males and their offspring get killed is the stress of that. Uh, it, um, what is it called? Induces, uh, estrus in them. Um, so it, uh, biologically they want to mate again as soon as possible. Anyway, he mentioned something like, uh, and I forgot the exact words. Well, the primates do that. Why can't we do that? Or we should do that. And, and this was around the time Trump got elected. And uh, so the implication was is that we should do that to Trump. And uh, I really didn't think it was funny. I didn't say anything to him about it. I just deleted him. And, and he doesn't even know. He, he doesn't even know I exist. Um, just like now, no one knows I exist. Um, but I was just like, okay, I know a person, I know people that are ideologically, they seem to be closer to the things I believe in or my value system. But how is that ever okay to accept that sort of implication? And then you're, on the other hand, you're like, oh, I'm such an anarchist and I'm talking about human rights and, and that sort of thing. So I think that people, people have a way of externalizing things in themselves that they don't like but they want to internalize the good things, right? It's all an illusion. Um, or like, you know, you see a lot of, I'm a Buddhist and I believe in positivity and, you know, whatever, you know, big bag of bullshit they learned in the new age movement. And I see how they treat people and they just treat people like shit. And um, I don't understand that dissonance. So, um, I, I just think that it's something wherever that violence and rage is coming from <clears throat> within people to see this need for punishment and retribution. Uh, I think that's something that we need to look into. I don't think we need to get rid of it. We don't need to, we suppress it, but I don't think we need to get rid of it. We didn't need to know where that's coming from. Uh, and I think, I read a lot of Freud, and it's not because I'm an expert on Freud or anything. In fact, a lot of what I know about him comes from popular culture, which isn't a good representative, I mean, a, a accurate. Um, but I read more to understand now because I don't have the pressure or the sword of Damocles hanging over my head for a graduate course, and I can just read it to understand it. Um, but Sigmund Freud and uh, Josef Boya, uh, they wrote the studies in hysteria. And, and, you know, people always talk about Freud and they make fun of Freud. You know, he's always the source of derision. You know, I would never believe in that sort of thing. <laughs> but, uh, but we use all of his language that he used. We use all of his terms, like the idea of oppression, um, hysteria, the idea of these psychosomatic things coming out because we're suppressing, suppressing and repressing things. Uh, we use it all the time. We use all of his words about personality. Um, and if you knew anything about Freud and psychosexual development, you would know that Freud did not say that you wanted to fuck your mother. You know, it's just like, come on, that's, that's just like a way of dismissing. That's the type of derision where you want to dismiss something because you don't want to understand it. Um, but I see a lot of ways in which Americans exhibit the things he talks about, you know, in like the studies and hysteria. Um, 
you know how people have something that they're harboring and it manifests itself in these uh the, these different ways right um in our language uh, and you know in civilization it's discontent he definitely talks about something that's in this culture this ambivalence towards the father figure you know how the state for example if you look at the state as a father figure we we um i wouldn't say love we honor it not out of love but because we get some benefits out of it but in order to receive those benefits we have to give up something of ourselves right so it's not love it's ambivalence um i was reading this interview between two psychologists and one a psychoanalysts and one of them was a a a jewish psych psychoanalyst and he was a a student of freud that's why i bring up jewish uh, as freud was jewish as well and they were talking about this um, you know the the commandment that you honor your father and mother and he made this distinction that uh, love and honor are two different things because honor is something you do out of duty and i think that's basically what we do um in terms of nationalism it's about honor uh and um i think within honor comes this duty but it also comes with this sort of resentment right because it takes something from you where love is like something that's free love is something that's doesn't have conditions love just is right so um for the person i love they don't have to be anything else for me um to love them um they just have to be as they are and when i say when i say i love um it for me it means that i will go to the underworld for for that and that i will take everything that comes with that love honor is a completely different thing and i think we have this um this idea we mix the idea of love with honor um but also another thing that runs in this culture is this repression right so in the studies in hysteria it was talking about these people that were having these psychosomatic reactions to something the reason why they could never resolve it is because they could not access the source of the um the source of the the psychosis or in, in freud would call it a neurosis are um a psychosis and so they kept reacting to it but they were suppressing the reason for it so they couldn't access the reason why this was happening to them and therefore they couldn't resolve it um and we do a lot of this suppression so i think part of the way i think of suppression is that um we have these illusions to protect ourselves from the fact of who we really are um so remember you can behave any way you want you can be conditioned to behave but it doesn't change what you are and i think a lot of people don't know what they are and i believe that and i think when you don't have that sense of who you are 
then you have to sort of latch on to these other things, these armaments that you adopt, these sort of attachments, these prosthetics, and you have to hold on to those for dear life, right? To protect you from the fact that you don't have anything there or you don't know what's there or you're defending yourself from what's there, the thing that you don't know about. Um, so, you know, for example, the the white guilt person who becomes militant, you know, minority, at a political minority advocate, right? Um, why are they so extreme with that? Um, are, uh, you know, the the extremely religious person that, you know, hates that whore that fornicates, you know, that sort of thing. What are they, what are they hiding? Um, why did they have to have these very sanctimonious armaments? So I think as a country, um, this need for this draconian, uh, lawfulness is sort of hiding this shadow element. And, and I don't think we need to hide those shadows. I think we need to know, I think we need to come to terms with that shadow and understand it. And then we can deal with it. We can deal with what we are. Um, so I know that sounds very preachy, but it's just something I noticed. I mean, I'm not, um, I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm guilty of this as well. Um, so hopefully that gets um, better. Um, but who knows? It's just going to take some work, I think. Um, another thing, I um, on this program, I'm using it actually times out at half an hour, which should be a long, a long enough time for you to blabber about what you need to say. But um, <laughs> sometimes I run long because I'm... Um, I'm long-winded. Um, but anyway, I, I also just wanted to talk about... Uh, we do this thing, and, and I'll say in American society, because that's the society I'm from. I'm sure it happens everywhere. But people do this thing where they shroud. They do this shrouding thing, and I'll explain what I mean. Um, that because we don't know ourselves, our because we have the sense of shame for what we are um, or we have shame from, you know, the opprobrium we get from society, um, you know, especially in, I would say in North America right now, and, and this is probably more so in Canada than the U.S., but also in places like, I don't know, um, uh, UK, where you can be prosecuted for things like hate speech and that sort of thing. Um, so we're actually being censored and that's one of the things that is, uh, not allowing us to vent, you know, frustrations, um, by censoring what we say. So people will do this thing, this armoring that they have to do, even if they respond to something very simple and trivial. Um, you know, for example, um, so being from the South, there's certain words you say or certain phrases you say, and you know exactly what the person means. Like, oh, bless your heart, <laughs> which is basically like, fuck you in uh, 
for Southern people are uh, Christian say, God bless, are in the Pacific Northwest. I, I didn't hear this a lot until I got to the Pacific Northwest. Well, let's agree to, um, what do they say? Well, let's just agree to disagree. <laughs> this is like saying, fuck you, uh, are, let me guess, East Coast. In East Coast, they just say, fuck you, right? Okay. Um, um, another thing, and I'm, I'm very interested in language because most of the time we're saying things that we we mean something else. Um, I, I would like to get to the point where I can use ideograms or telepathy because actually if you hear about any interviews with people that have had um, experiences with uh, uh, discarnate entities like ghosts or even like ETs, one of the things they also always bring up is about language and how language is just, it's a form of a, it's a tool for commerce, but it's actually not very approximate. You know, you can, you can struggle to get approximate words to say what you want to say. Uh, so I think that runs deep in human language that we're always saying something, but we don't really mean it. Um, what, what are some of the other things when people are in an argument and they say, I'm saddened. No, you're not. Or I pity you. Uh, that that's that's not a pity. Is a uh, it's a form of uh, domination. It, it's like something that makes. It's like something that you do when you're talking to someone that's inferior. Like for example, if you read the Adam and Eve myth. Um, they were when they were naked it had nothing to do with uh, sex it was about um being naked especially in a lot of these master slave civilizations which is most of the civilizations here on earth um the slaves would usually be wearing like uh you see them in the ben-hur movies the loincloth they'd be you know basically naked so naked was a form of um domination it was saying you're a slave um are, uh, I don't know, primates when they pick pick lice when they when they're grooming each other. Uh, it's used as a form of comfort. Like for example, if one of them is mourning, the other members of the group will groom them. It's a form of socialization. It's what they do to socialize. Uh, but also the the males that are. Uh, losing dominance or losing control and other males are taking over, they will groom the uh, alpha male or the alpha males. And it on the surface, it looks like it's socializing or it's caring for, but actually it's infantilizing. So they're actually doing it to humiliate that person, right? <laughs> and, and that's what we do to people. Like we groom them. Uh, it's like, oh, that's cute. Uh, so when you say you pity someone, uh, you usually only pity people that are in a, you know, that are in a um, inferior position. So I, I hear that a lot, and I was like, no, you're not, you're not sad about it. Uh, that's just your way of uh, what 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 is what do the drag queens say? Throwing shade, right? 
<laughs> and I see a lot of that. And, and I wonder why we have to communicate in that way. Um, compared to earlier times, you can pretty much say what you want, right? Um, people are more careful now because, you know, you can get fired for just about anything these days, uh, which I don't, I don't think is right. Um, I remember that situation, that recent situation where this woman was saying, oh, I'm going to call the police and say an African-American is like assaulting me or not assaulting me, threatening me is what she said. And I was looking at that. I was like, eh, okay, they should take away her dog because uh, clearly she wasn't, uh, she was being uh, abusive to the, to the dog. But I actually don't think she should have been fired for that. Um, especially in her position. I don't think it was in a position where she could affect the quality of someone's life. It wasn't like she was an HR or housing or a counselor or anything. Um, I don't think you're going to fix the problem by firing people because they need livelihoods. Um, and unless they're in a position where they're affecting other people's, the quality of other people's life, I, I really don't, don't care. Um, if uh, what I'm trying to say is like, I don't see why people can't just put it out there and just deal with it. Right. Uh, someone call me fat, uh, you know, or, you know, what the racists, they just go on and on and on and on. And I was like, we get it. You don't like blacks. Welcome to earth. Right. We've been here for like, as long as you have and people have hated us forever we're over it right but they can't just say that they just have to swim around it and talk about i am disappointed at how the direction of the nation when they just want to say they don't like niggers right or uh, you know thugs is that <laughs> is that what it's called because it looks uh it looks like you're like lawful and it looks like you are righteous when you say thugs because they're transgressing the transgressing the law right uh you know why can't you just say that all right um uh i remember or i remember now you know the, the political situation is just getting um uh acrimonious that's the best word i can think of but like when people talk about the issues in the country right like when uh uh you know trump's president now <laughs> people are like <laughs> look at him i can't believe he's a representation of the state and he's grabbing someone by the pussy and it was like <laughs> and uh i think probably clinton had more than he had but he had more than he could grab um but but why can't you just say i don't like him you know uh i think he's an asshole a narcissist whatever um instead of trying to dress it up instead of trying to doing this armoring right um, uh, or when Clinton was running or even when she was Senator or I don't know, even when she was uh, first lady in Arkansas, it's like people will say things. She's so manipulative and she lies and she uses politics as an opportunity to get the things that she wants. And I was like, yeah, that's like everyone in Congress. <laughs> so what's keeping them from saying, I don't like her because she's a, um, because I don't like her personality or I don't like her because she has a vagina or I don't like her because being manipulative is not a quality that people like in women. Right. 
<laughs> Why can't they say that? What's preventing us from saying that? And um, and uh, one of the things when I was reading these interviews between these psychologists that I was talking about, and even with Freud, he said the only way to get to the bottom of a neurosis is coming to terms with um, – um, I, I forgot the exact words that he used, but coming to terms with the unpleasant facts about yourself. That's that's the gist of it. And then you can deal with it, right? Um, and I don't think people can come to terms with that and it would be so much easier if they could. <laughs> you know, well, I don't think that the, the direction of the country is good with him saying this when they could just say, you know, that motherfucker's a narcissist and just be done with it, right? Or, I don't like Clinton. Or, you know, I don't like blacks. It's the way I grew up. <laughs> it's, it's like, just deal with it. When you can deal with that as a statement of fact, then you can learn to deal with the uh, resolution of it. For me personally, with the race issue in the world, and especially in this country, it's too late. It's not going to get soft. So if we can cooperate with each other for practical reasons and hate each other, that's fine. Hate each other away from each other. That there, There's just no other way we're going to fix that. Um, and the people that already are you know, not dealing with those issues and don't think that way and are trying to change, let those people, you know, um, um, uh, have relations with each other in terms of society and that sort of thing. The other people, you know, just stay, just segregate yourselves and just leave each other alone. So if we could just not kill each other and not try to like starve each other, um, I think that's, that's about as good as we're going to get, I think. Um, and I think that's okay. Um, most of the time when people say diversity, they're not talking about diversity of ideas anyway. They're talking about the same ideas with people of different colors, right? So it's just like politics. Um, there's people of different colors, but they have the same ideology. That's not diversity. And I also don't like this idea, this fascist tendency and diversity initiatives to force people to like each other. Like, I think sometimes you should be forced to work with each other. Because obviously everyone you are going to come into contact with, you're not going to like. Some people are not likable. That's just what they are. Um, but this idea that you have to like people that are different, um, you, you don't. Um, and that's not realistic. That's not realistic as a mandate. I think it's something you should strive for in terms of respecting people as they are. Um, but I don't think that's something that should be mandated, right? The liking part, the working together and cooperating part. Yeah. I think you, you can reasonably um, do that without, uh, without, you know, taking away people's rights. Right. Because that's just a practical concern. Um so anyway, I guess I guess the main idea is that we have to be able, as individuals and as a society, we have to be able to look 
look and accept those um, unpleasant facts about ourselves. And that's the only way we can resolve resolve these issues and come to terms with them. Um, but also, I think there has to be a realization, in, especially in the terms of the the um, the unpleasant facts about nation states and these large entities, is that for some things you cannot do anything about it. You cannot. Um, there is nothing you can do to um, ameliorate genocide. You just have to accept it. What you can do is make sure it doesn't happen again in any form, um, colonization in any form, discrimination in any form. But there's nothing you can do about it. So I don't think the extraction of guilt is useful in that sense. There's just nothing you can't, you can't do anything for Jewish people about murdering and exterminating, you know, basically the almost wiped, almost wiped them out. You can't do this about the black slaves you put in a hull of a ship from their tropical climate to this cold, damp, polio infested um, ship to become slaves. There's just nothing you can do about that. You can't do anything about the people that have been lynched. You can't do anything about the people that have been abused and disenfranchised and died as like uh, second-class citizens. There's just nothing you can do about that. Um, you can change the way you behave and you can change you know, what's happening now. Um, so I wouldn't say that this country needs to concentrate on guilt. Um, I say we need to concentrate on execution, executing what needs to be uh, in the sense of doing what needs to be done. Um, okay, so I, now I'm just being preachy. So I'm going to get off the mount and um, I'm going to read more psychology because I need to be more knowledgeable of the stuff I talk about. Um, I know a, a good deal about psychoanalysis, but I always need to know more. You always need to know more. And, uh, and I, I definitely want to, I mean, all this information is out there. It's really no reason for me to be as dull as I am. Um, but I think it would do well that we come to terms with these unpleasant things about ourselves before we project them out onto the world. And, um, yeah, I think I think I think this country would be less sick and neurotic if we if we would just be healthy about some of the regressive elements in our society and what they're where they're coming from. Okay, so um, again, I'm going to step off the mount now. Uh, hopefully, you got something out of it. I know I jump around a bit, but it was just a lot of things. It was a lot of things in my head, and I don't want to. I prepare some ideas, but I don't want to have notes. So it sounds like I'm reading off a teleprompter. So anyway, maybe I'll do another one soon. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, stay safe out there. And I hope to do another one soon. Bye.